Welcome back, creators, to the podcast. I really appreciate that you're here. What do we talk about in this podcast? The business side of creating. So we're not stuck in the creator mode. Maybe it's how to sell a course. Maybe it's branding. Maybe it's marketing. The type of stuff that took me over 10 years to learn my own. That I don't want you to take 10 years also. So that's what we learned about in this podcast. On this episode, we have Dylan, the newsletter king, as I have proclaimed him to be the newsletter king. Like I said, in this episode, we're going to talk with Dylan from Growth Currency, who will show us how to start, grow, and monetize a newsletter. If you ever want to make a newsletter, there's two things. Super obvious what they are, but if you don't have the second one, honestly, just wasting your time. That's just one of the things we talk about in this podcast. Then we start spin fire over here. Talk about how blogs are dead and newsletters are the way to go. He has his own take on this. It was actually quite fun listening to Dylan talk about this. Where the hell do we host this newsletter? Though? I don't know. Dylan does. He gives you four different options. Then we go over naming your newsletter. Sounds simple enough, but please don't make the same mistakes that a lot of people make when they make a newsletter. And if you're ever wondering how often should we send a newsletter? Once a week? Twice a week? What happens? What happens if you fall off the bandwagon? We go over that. We find out how to actually monetize the newsletter without doing any work. Okay, maybe there's a little bit of work, but the brands will literally come to you. No, no joke. If you keep listening, we'll find out how you can get on a marketplace. The brands will come to you. These aren't scammy ads. These You would not be able to tell if you went to Dylan's Growth Currency Newsletter right now and saw an ad. And that's the type of way he monetized his own newsletter. But you'll find out how literally very minimal amount of work to monetize your newsletter, let the brands come to you. That's it. Y'all have a great day, creators. Keep creating. Let's be business savvy creators in the future. Who is Dylan? How'd you get to this newsletter business thing? That's right, right now. How did, how did that all started? It was kind of just a, a desire or a hunger to just start publishing kind of thoughts, ideas, cool things out of, I found my online journey and I did have a blog or website or anything like that. So I'm like, well, I've heard about this thing called Substack you can just like start a newsletter. And so, and I figured out it could double as like kind of a sort of a blog and a website to a degree, very minimally. I used to write a music blog back in like 2010, 2011, and I enjoyed just the writing and the publishing and a little bit of self-promotion. And I definitely failed as writing a health and fitness blog back in like 2018, 2019. So this is, I've always kind of enjoyed the art of the act of online writing, online publishing, promoting things that I'm passionate about, but I've never really been able to sustain it in a manner that I have now. So that, it came out of the hunger of doing that and then just started publishing on Substack, kind of random stuff and kind of went from there. But it didn't have like clear direction at first? Oh man, it was... Uh, Nobody does. That's what I was trying to get Yeah. Out. Yeah. I, I just kind of was writing about anything from like self-improvement to personal finance to marketing to... Geez, who knows what? I think I had one of my one of my favorite articles I wrote was a, called "We Are All Flat Earthers," and it was just about about biases and opinions and how we all kind of have these these inherent biases. So, like, nothing to do with what I read about now. Interesting stuff that I've found interesting and still find interesting. It's just hard to it's hard to start a newsletter with a vast array of just randomness, unless that is your niche the random newsletter. But if you're if you're trying to be everything to anyone or everyone, it will be anything to anyone. It's kind of the the mantra that I've heard and can resonate with. Kind of start somewhere, just sort of figure out where you're going at least that's been my experience. How'd you get into like on your Twitter profile? It's like it helps creators make newsletter. I mean that's essentially what it is. How did that start? Before when you start recording we you had mentioned the J Close a creative companion group. And so I'm a part of that community. Somebody within the community, he politely but also kind of firmly nudged me into niching down a little bit because even at the point two months ago, I was still relatively broad. I was focused on helping creators grow, but that's just, it's very robot. Grow your, grow your, your, your audience, grow, monetize, what, like what, right? And so I said, when I think of Dylan, I think of newsletters because you, you know, talked a lot about your newsletter journey and about how you've started to monetize it and so on. And so I think you should help you should write about growing a newsletter and focusing on that. I've thought about that for all of like a few hours. And then I'm like, yeah, I think this is the right move to make. And so I just published that my, my next edition, that's what I was going to focus on. And just, it felt right. And I kind of been thinking about it. I went from there, I think beginning or mid, middle of March ish is when I 
kind of went full bore on that direction. Did anybody like, cause I was in there before, I think it was, it was before you changed it. And I'm like, oh yeah, man, like, did, like, did anybody leave? Or people are like, this is ridiculous or, you know what I mean? You know, it, it, no, I don't think so. I've had more than anything. I've had a lot of feedback, positive feedback saying, I think this is awesome direction. Love the focus. Nobody's been like, I can't believe you made this change. Like there's been no negative blowback. Sure. I've lost some subscribers, but I, in a way that's a good thing. I see it unsubscribes. If they're dra- dramatic and they're like way above the norm, then like definitely maybe doing something wrong and you should look into that and take that feedback to heart. But I think you need to just take, you're, you're going to publish and people are going to subscribe. And I am subscribed from emails, marketing emails and newsletters all the time. And it's not because I don't like the person or anything like that. I'm just like, I need to, I need to make sure my inbox is serving me. And sometimes newsletters just don't. And when I started narrowing down that path, I'm sure it wasn't quite the direction that some of my readers wanted to go. So I did get some unsubscribes, but I mean, if I'm looking back in my history of unsubscribes, it was like, I think I announced it in that edition. I got maybe 11 and seven, let's see, seven, eight. So the most unsubscribes I've had in the last two months was 11 from, from Ascend. And that was at, that was out of about 1200 recipients. So it wasn't, it was overly dramatic. Since then I've been able to keep it under 10%, which is for me, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. And it hasn't increased. This is the thing I think I'm most proud of is since that 1200 person send the unsubscribes, my newsletter has grown to over 1400 now, almost gone to gone up 200 subscribers since then. And my unsubscribes are staying kind of low. So my, my rate is, is dropping, which is, which is also a good sign. I, f- I feel. I think there's definitely a point of like, as it gets bigger, people start like mentioning your name and stuff like it, like it almost like grows without you putting in 200% effort to get the first thing. Yeah, for sure. It, it does. It definitely, there's that, there's a flywheel effect where at first you're the only one spinning it. Right. And you gotta, you gotta go full lore, go on Twitter hard, engage, share valuable insights, threads, all that stuff, which you should still do by all means. But when I first started taking Twitter seriously and in 2020, it was like, nobody cares what I'm going to tweet about because nobody's following me. Nobody's listening. So I need to start like getting into conversations, offering my life experience advice. If, if it lends itself to the conversation and helps people and just start finding that community and growing. So yeah, I think once you build up that flywheel, then you get mentioned and you get some referrals and you get to go on, you know, cool podcasts, which is, which is always fun. And it just helps that flywheel and you don't have to do as much of the spin. Other people can kind of do it for you. Makes sense. So like if you had like five minutes and you had to explain to somebody like how, how a creator should start a newsletter or why they should start it, what's the pitch? There's two ways to approach it. One is, do you want to, are you wanting to start a newsletter to support something you're doing? So support a solopreneur business, coaching business, service business of some sort, or maybe an e-commerce business, or are you starting a newsletter kind of as your main thing? There would be two different approaches I would take. Let's, let's assume you're starting it as your main thing. If that's the case, you need a pretty clear pitch on what your newsletter does and who you serve. So you need to have some kind of focus. I know I just mentioned that I didn't have one at the start and that's fine. You don't necessarily need to have one. I think it's I think it's more important to start to just get stuff out there than to delay because you're like, oh, I'm not sure what to write about. Just start publishing. It would be kind of like my number one piece of advice. But once you start publishing, you kind of may start to find, hopefully you'll start to find um, stuff that you actually enjoy writing about and stuff that people resonate with. And so just keep pulling on those threads and going down um, that road. So assuming you kind of have that figured out, your niche, your focus, whether it's right away or after five, 10, in my case, it took me about 50 editions, almost a year um, of publishing to really kind of narrow down. But once you do, then it kind of opens up more doors for you because you have, you may have a more focused topic, but it kind of broadens the door of various ways you get, you know, talk about that one specific thing and get pitch your newsletter to people way easier. I do think it's important to niche down and find a bit of a focus and a lead to be in. It also helps who you're going to talk to as well and who, who your audience is or your, your persona. Once you've done that, then I think the reason why I'm really bullish on newsletters is because they're a forcing function to get you to publish. And what I mean by that is 
you have a, we say, I have a weekly newsletter. Well, you better publish weekly, right? There's that, there's that constraint of like, I need to have it go out every Wednesday at 10 AM, whatever it might be. And there's, there's subscribers now starting to trickle in and maybe expecting that newsletter from me, especially if you're promoting it a lot and, and you're kind of selling it on the frequency. Some people do daily, some people do fortnightly every two weeks or monthly, but really what it does is gives you that forcing function. And that's been super helpful for me because I am prone to start things and give up before I give them a fair chance. Podcasting is, you know, infamous for that. So it's like starting a blog that people start and they're gung-ho the first month and then like, ah, this is a lot of work. I don't know if I want to keep doing this. And so I think with newsletters, it's a little bit of a lighter lift because you can, you can put a lot of work into a newsletter, but you also don't have to, you can publish just a little bit. So like curate just a, a really short list of cool things. Like here are my three cool, three cool plans of the week or three ideas I have, or just one idea for the week and kind of just go down a little rabbit hole there. So whatever it might be, I think the important thing is that you really try to stick to a cadence and use that as your own, you know, personal force and function and don't quit after three sends and you only have three subscribers because that's most people. Nobody starts with a million subscribers or, or even a hundred subscribers. That's pretty rare. So the, the third thing I would recommend would be, um, to actually publish and ship. Obviously that's a, a pretty important step. And once you do, what you'll find is first again, like I said, that you wouldn't have crickets. There might not be anybody really paying much attention to you, which is why you need a platform to kind of promote yourself. Because there's no real newsletter search discoverability, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Just like podcast discoverability is a little bit better, but it's still. It's not like YouTube or something. Like that's, it's not a Google, you got to be on the not a search engine. Yeah, exactly. And so you need to basically have a promotional platform and, and then you have your newsletter, right? So wherever either your audience is or where you maybe grow a little bit of an audience and that could be 12 people. You have 12 followers on Twitter. Great. Start there. Maybe you got more people like that. Start there. Instagram, TikTok, whatever it might be. There's, there are people wanting to consume content all over the place. And so go to those places and promote your newsletter there. And you will, you will start to grow that audience. And once you have a little bit of an engaged audience, then you might start to get some feedback. So that's why obviously you need to publish kind of what's resonating with people, what's not, what's getting more feedback and engagement. And it, it's just, it's really important to, they say, make noise and listen for signal. And so that signal is that feedback. And I think Twitter is my favorite platform for that because you get pretty quick feedback loops on Twitter. You send something out and if it gets zero engagement, you know, okay, I don't think, I don't think Anybody's really jiving with this, this idea or on this piece of content. So, so I think that you need, you obviously need to publish and publish where people are going to be able to consume it. So just writing a newsletter, publishing it just on Substack or, or review or whatever it might be, you're probably not going to quite do it. You need to actually go out there and make some noise on those social platforms. So, um, those are kind of a few things that. I would say you definitely need those, like the bare minimum things that you need to get started and why you want to start a newsletter is just for two reasons. Like I said, at the beginning, whether it's a content marketing sort of promotional piece to a main aspect of your business, or if it's the business you want to create in and of itself, those will, those will, you know, vary on reasons why you should do it. But I think there's room for, there's room for both and a newsletter is a is a really great complimentary piece to a podcast or to a, a business that you might be running as a solo career or as a, as a content creator. So don't, I mean, I wouldn't disregard them as being just for people who like to write. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of value there and building your list as people have said for a long time now, a building an email list is, is something that you can own. Your list is kind of your, your list to own people have opted in to receive it. And so the only way that you lose it is if you get backs from the platform you're publishing on and you haven't exported your list and you don't have it. Whereas Twitter could ban you, Instagram can ban you, you know, all these social platforms are rich length. So the important thing is to build a list and make sure you export it, keep it to yourself because you never know what could happen on these other platforms. Yeah, I kind of went off on a bit of a tangent there, but, but I think it, it's really important to 
create a newsletter regardless of the exact intention that you're you're using it for. I didn't even think of like there's like the newsletter and there's like the platform. You can't see it. There's like the platform where like you have to promote it. Anybody can make a newsletter, but you just don't go to it unless you're yeah, unless you're... exactly. I mean, you got to get subscribers somehow, right? Some people might argue that well, if you have a blog with you know SEO, you don't need to promote it. You can drive people to your newsletter from track SEO traffic, which is totally valid and it's been done. People have built you know billion dollar businesses with that strategy. I think it's harder to do these days. It's a long, it's a really long road to get there. Usually, it takes a lot of time. And there's nothing wrong with that either. If you're in for the long game, by all means. But I think if you're not also leveraging spaces like social media, particularly even other mediums you wouldn't have maybe thought of like Quora or Reddit or media, publishing articles on medium to drive people to a newsletter from there. And so I think, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's really important that you get the word out there that you're, you're publishing because again, blogging and SEO will, can do the trick, but it's just going to be a slower, a slower go. And imagine making a whole blog. Google has to find you all this, or you can just make a tweet. You do the same thing. Like a long term whole website, absolutely. But you know, if you're like, you don't know what you're doing, just start on whatever, wherever at Twitter, whatever platform, and just make the mistakes versus like a whole website. I've made websites. They're not, it's a whole freaking ordeal. <laughs> it is, man. It is. It is. That's why I have my pinned tweet. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, starting with blogs a waste of time. Starting letters the opposite. Because I I wholeheartedly believe that for not for everybody. Again, yes, there's there's nuance to these kinds of statements, of course. But I, I made that statement to be bold and to be a little bit polarizing because I do really think that like people don't subscribe to blogs anymore. You could you could talk say, oh, we're talking semantics. A blog and a newsletter is kind of the same thing. And yeah, I'm saying the way it is, but but there are some very different factors. Like a blog is something you write, it's passive. You write it, publish it, it's on your website. People have to come to it. And they might be passively coming to it. And what I mean by that is like, they're searching for an article on whatever, and they come across your your blog because of SEO, which is great. But a newsletter is active content. It's active because you publish it and it goes to people. It goes into their inboxes. It can go out on a tweet. Yes, you can do that again with links as well. I think the fact that platforms like Twitter sort of they de devalue or deprioritize tweets with links to them because you can't do off platform, it's not a deal. So a newsletter is going directly and actively to people. I like the analogy of I say starting a blog is kind of like opening up a coffee shop a coffee shop on Main Street. It's like you put out the open sign and um, you open the door and people might put their head in, but they'll just be like, Yeah, there's nobody in there, I'm gonna keep going. And you're just kind of like, come on, Wes. Come into my store, come have a coffee. But where it is in newsletters like Uber Eats, where people are like literally like boning you, putting in their order, getting you to come to them. They're they're basically signing up to have you communicate with them and engage with them and send them content. So I think I think that distinction is important. And I think for a creator who may have uh, a few different things on the go, doesn't have time to buy a domain, set up a posting set up their WordPress or what have you, Webflow, Squarespace, whatever it is, all that stuff takes time and money. And when you can create a Substack or a review account, even a ConvertKit account in like 30 minutes and publish your first article, like it's like done. And you also have this like freestanding entity that you didn't have to pay for. And so there's no you know cost risk to you. There's just a bit of time involved. And, and this is coming from somebody who's done the buy a domain, set up the WordPress, get pissed off if my theme doesn't work, try to figure out what's going on because I'm not a developer. Whereas these platforms, like, like I mentioned, Substack, Review, ConvertKit, they all have all the stuff built in. So you don't have to be a, you know, a tech savant or even a little bit web savvy to use them. They're all very, very intuitive and easy to use. So that's why I'm like, yes, start a newsletter. If you don't know what to do, start with a newsletter. Don't start with a blog because I personally agree with your time and money. Percent agree completely. Maybe I'll tag on. I'll tag on one thing to that too. With with a lot of these newsletter platforms, they second as a blog. They act as a blog because you have this archive of your previous editions. So you could refer to them. You could send people to them. They show up on your on your say growthcurrency.substack.com URL. You can see them. So it's not like you're just publishing a newsletter. You still don't have that 
archive of content too. Where do you suggest people should make like host the newsletter then? Because so you said like four different ones. I do think it depends a little bit on what your newsletter, I guess a few things like on your monetization, your thoughts on monetization, if you plan to monetize it, how do you plan to monetize it? And also if you're going for more sort of an editorial opinion, maybe even curated content piece versus you plan to do more like selling, maybe to e-commerce, affiliate links, that sort of thing. If you're going with kind of like the paywall subscription editorial type newsletter, there's there's the obvious one of Substack where they have a pretty easily integrated, easy to set up paywall. The problem is they take 10% of your subscription fee. So if you have, let's go, 10 people paying you 10 bucks a month, there's some easy math. For hundred bucks a month, you're taking home 90 minus again, some transaction fees through Stripe, I assume. So you're not even probably taking home that whole $90. So that could be a bit of a heavy lift for people. Every platform is going to take a little bit of money for you just because of that pro that transaction process or that, that payment processing, I should say. But if you look at someone like ConvertKit, maybe don't quote me on this, but I believe they take no more than the 30 cent uh, transaction fee. And if you sell a prompt on their e-commerce, they take three and a half percent per transaction plus a 30 cent straight processing fee. So that's pretty low. Review takes 5% of your subscription. So they're half of what Substack is. And then there's platforms like Beehive. Um, it's kind of a new player in the market. And then there's MailChimp, of course, as well. So those are kind of the main ones. I just reviewed them in a, in a post recently in my newsletter. So if you want to go work customization, automation is in sequences. I would recommend your MailChimp or ConvertKit. I like ConvertKit. I use that one myself, but MailChimp is it's pretty, it's got a lot of functionality for free plan as well. But if you wanted to go something that's like super quick and easy to set up and you think about maybe doing a paywall subscription thing, and you can definitely go with Substack to review. Those are great options too for, for those purposes. I started with Substack, switched to ConvertKit eight months, nine months later. ConvertKit is pretty cool. I got tons of like, I keep making landing pages. I don't delete yeah. them. I have like 20 of them. They're all with the same. I don't change the name. So I'll say Claire landing page or something. Oh, no. Like 20 of them. I'm like, oh my gosh. Just trying out stuff. And I'm like, I need to go through this one day. Yeah, I cleaned it out. Cleaned it out a little bit. That's funny. Yeah, they, they do have, I mean, that's the nice thing with ConvertKit is they do have nicer customizable landing pages. But if you're somebody who just prints over details like that, then maybe you should go with Substack or review because it's like, a super basic landing page and it's not very customizable. So sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not. For me, the beginning, the least, the less amount of friction I had to just get started was better for me. So the fact that all I had to do was upload a logo and put in like basically what my newsletter was about and the landing page was built for me, that was all I needed to start. And again, like having gone through like the headache of doing the WordPress and domain hosting and trying to get that all connected. I was like, I do not want to deal with that right now. I just need to get started. So that's why I went with Substack. And a lot of people just like do what I find is they wait way too long to just start publishing because they're worried about, oh, I don't know what platform should I need to do. So I want to start a newsletter, but I don't know if she's too much better. Maybe I should need to review because it integrates with Twitter or should I go with Substack? I just don't know. MailChimp's never going to be a free option. I'm just like, doesn't matter. Pick one, start. If you don't like it, you can change it. Like that's, that's the great thing with all this. The only thing that you need is your list, right? As soon as you have that, you can just swap that over and upload it. So there's concerns about deliverability, switching platforms, and that could be an issue. You've got a, maybe you've got a bigger list and you're really worried about that. Then maybe that could be an issue. You can, you can definitely check with the platform first, but don't, I just, my big thing is don't let the platform decision stop you from starting. Just like pick one go with it. They're all, they all have free options. They'll give you at least usually about a thousand subscribers for free and a decent amount of email sends for free. So just pick one, try it, go with it. If you don't like it, change it up. Yeah. They're definitely action over Googling for three months. I mean, I, I mean, it's just yeah. literally just freaking go people like regardless at the beginning. Okay. It's going to be bad at the beginning regardless. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I look back at my first few issues and they're so dramatically different than what my newsletter is like now. They're not embarrassing necessarily. They're just, they're just different. And they weren't good or bad necessarily. They, they 
they were where I was back then. And then I've changed their direction and strategy and style and they are where they are now. And I think that's the big thing too. I took Ship 30 for 30 last year and Dickie Bush and Nicholas Cole, who run Ship 30 for 30, they say everybody, when they first start publishing, they're so scared to publish because they're worried what people are going to say. They're worried about negative feedback and imposter syndrome and all that. And then they publish and they're like, mad that nobody's reading it. And so it's like, you've got, you're kind of battling with these, these two things where you, you're scared to go out there and expose yourself online. But at the same time, you're kind of mad because you're like, well, those are my stuff. And so I think you have to just like throw caution to the wind to a large degree and just be like, publish, just don't worry. Nobody's really watching. And if somebody is, they'll, they'll let you know. Right. And especially if they, if you straighten nerve, sometimes that's a good thing, right? You angle that that's getting attention and you can take, take without what you want, but you gotta, you gotta start and not fret about it. 100%. Exactly. How do you name a newsletter? Yeah. So when I started my newsletter again, I did have a name I was super happy with, but I did want to just put a name on it and know that I can change it later if I need to. And so I called my newsletter the first four or five editions and it's called knowledge up. Because I'm like, I'm just going to share knowledge and it's going to increase it. And I like, I hated the name, but at the same time, I was like, I don't want to name it Dylan's newsletter either. For whatever reason, that just did not, that doesn't tell the audience anything. It doesn't, it's not good. So I, I went with this knowledge up name. And then after about, like you said, five or six weeks publishing with that name, the name growth currency kind of came to me uh, one day. And so I liked that way better. I thought knowledge is kind of the currency of growth you need. The more knowledge you gain, the more you have the potential to grow. So I was like, growth currency. And it kind of harkens back to the original name of knowledge up, where you're like increasing your knowledge. So it kind of relates, but I like the name growth currency a lot better. I think it's, it's got a little bit more catchiness to it. And so I just went with that from there. But, you know, things you want to consider when you're new, your newsletter is, does it kind of give the audience a bit of an idea as to what it's going to be about? Or is it super vague, like Dylan's weekly newsletter? I, I just, I would try to go something a little bit more different than your name. That being said, if you're building a brand on your name, a personal brand that you're trying to, again, um, a service business around perhaps, then maybe you do want to go with your name. If you're doing freelancing, or if you're doing, like I said, coaching or consulting work, then maybe a newsletter with your name is something you'd want to consider doing. So there are some benefits to doing that. If you've got a decent sized audience already built up, then that might be a good strategy to build, to build a newsletter around your, your established personal brand. But if you don't, then I would definitely kind of steer you towards picking a name that gives a little bit of a description as to what you're going to be talking about in the newsletter or about the topic, subject matter, whatever it might be. The other thing you might want to check for is to make sure there's not any other newsletters with the exact same name, or at least any well-established newsletters with the exact same name and, you know, doing a quick Google search should be able to tell you if you don't find it on the first page, it's probably not going to be a big deal. So that would be one recommendation. And then the other thing would, would be to consider if you do plan on starting a newsletter as a business, right? Because people, you know, are doing that more and more these days after you, you hear about successes of Morning Brew and the hustle selling top spot for 20 to $30 million, not all of a certain going to achieve those levels, right? But at the same time, there's people who are selling email newsletters or with much, much smaller audiences, but still selling their lists. And so if that's kind of your name, then you'll definitely want to consider, consider a name that is, that if you sell, it's not going to be like likeness and face and name as well. So, um, trying to keep your name and maybe a brand that you want to keep attached to you, even if you sell your newsletter, maybe somebody consider. So I wanted to sell growth currency. I'd have to consider that um, I wouldn't be able to use that name quite likely, depending on the terms of the deal, I wouldn't be able to use that name going forward and then have to kind of rebrand and go with something different. So a few things to keep in mind with naming a newsletter, but really long short of it is pick a name that you don't have to stick with. But don't, again, don't let a name stop you. Just like a platform, don't let the platform stop you from starting. So pick a name, you can always change it. Yeah, definitely. Change it later on. Okay, so how, how, do, we, how do we monetize it? So actually, I saw in yours, you work with the company Swapstack. So they are a, Swapstack is a newsletter and a brand kind of market where brands and newsletters can sign up and connect with each other for promotion 
advertising, sponsorships, affiliates, whatever you want to do. So as a newsletter creator, I signed up for it when I heard about it because I'm like, this might be an easier way than just pitching people, random brands to, you know, pay me to advertise their brand in my newsletter. So I signed up for Swapstack and I think then within a month or so, I got my first ad, about a $25 ad for one brand in kind of the middle section of my newsletter. And yeah, and they basically, Swapstack connects you with them. You go back and forth on email and Swapstack takes, you get to keep the whole portion of the payment of your fee. And then Swapstack charges the brand who is sponsoring your email. They charge them like, I want to say like five to 10% of your advertising fee. So for a $50 ad, um, you might pay $250 to $5 extra as a brand um, who's paying for the ad. So that's how Swapstack has monetized it. And really, if you if you have a newsletter um, that's got about 500 subscribers or, or larger, I there's no cost to you going on there and trying to find advertisers if that's how you want to monetize. So highly recommend it, Swapstack.co. And yeah, sign up, get your newsletter on there. If you have under 500 subscribers, don't let that stop you. Just know that there's probably not going to be a ton of brands looking to you, potentially, unless you're super focused. There's a case for that, but there's probably not going to be a lot of brands that to pay to advertise in a newsletter under 500. But you can get you can get to 500 pretty quick. I I signed up for mine for the swap stack when I was at about 650 subscribers or so. And like your ads, like they're not the annoying. Yeah, and you can so you can you can be annoying. I I don't recommend it. I tried this very recently with a I'm not going to name, but there's a particular network that I tried that with and I just didn't like how their ads appeared in my newsletter and it was programmatic so similar to how you know Google AdSense would work on somebody's website like a line of code and then that their ad would just show up in that code on your website and so they this ad network is similar and yeah I didn't love the, the experience and so I did that for a week and I've kind of put a pause on that for now but Nevertheless, the ads, if you want to monetize them that way, it's, it's however you want to do it. If the brand wants to do a full takeover of a newsletter and responsible thing, then that's great. If you, if it aligns with your, with your content, your topic, your audience, then I think that's a great way to go. I've got three ads right now at places in my newsletter at kind of a feature premium top of the newsletter at, I charge $125, you know, right now for that per edition. And I've got a middle of newsletter one that's $89. And then I've got a footer hat, which is. The cheapest and also the least popular because it's at the end of the newsletter, it's $39. So it's, it's less than half the cost of the either the middle one, but it's, it's harder to book that one. The premium top of the newsletter, most expensive ad is the one that always books so first, at least in my experience of doing these three types of ads. And, uh, and that works great for me. It's worth, it's the most expensive ad itself. So it's been, it's been an interesting journey with, with monetization. I saw that website, like, I think it's on your profile where it said the price. Yeah. Hecto, hecto.io, I believe. Yeah. Is that you, like you put the price, people go to you, they book it with you. Yeah. So between Swapstack and Hecto, the way I look at it is Swapstack's like the marketplace to get these um, brands and newsletters together. Hecto is like your e-commerce page, essentially. Like if somebody, if you agree to them and sell an ad on your newsletter, they can basically book that newsletter on Hecto and pay me through Hecto. That being said, Swapstack has their own invoicing system. The only issue right now with Swapstack is they don't have an inventory. So technically I could sell as many, an unlimited amount of ads in my newsletter as I want. There's no inventory to keep track of. So if I only have three spots in a newsletter edition and I have got like, um, six people who want to advertise, you run into a problem with inventory where people could start getting frustrated because they wanted to go into a certain edition and it's been booked up. So, so that's where Hecto is nice. You guys have a list of your inventory for each type of ad. And, uh, and once somebody's paid for it through Hecto, then it shows that it's, you know, been, been purchased. So that's the way I've got it right now. I don't, I don't necessarily love the way it works. It, but it works. My goal in the future would be to do something kind of like what Josh Spector does, where he's got kind of like his own e-commerce page for his ads. And I think that's kind of a, where I 
I'm hoping to go with it is to have an ad section on my yet to be launched website, which is in the works right now and have a newsletter and kind of e-commerce type page where people can book ads and then it's all way more seamless on there. Yeah. So there's some people had some questions. So, so I know um, this gal named Truy is like a Twitch streamer or helps Twitch streamers. Okay. Like titles and teaser text. Okay. Like, like what, what should they? So there's a lot of different opinions on that. I think for me, I've just kind of always gone with this sort of two to three point sort of, I guess, like I usually start my subject line. It's that's what he's talking about. Subject lines essentially and, and then the preheader text. So I start my subject line usually with my editorial content. So my own writing, whether it's the last week, it was like the top five email newsletter publishing platforms and which one you should choose kind of thing or choosing the best newsletter platform for you. And then after that, I'll have a comma and I'll usually have the, I guess, I don't say the most clickbait article in there, but the ones that I know, anything that has anything to do with uh, a list or monetization, people usually gets a, a good open rate. So if I say how somebody made X amount of money doing something, people open it. And, and as long as you, I feel like it's not clickbait if you feel fulfilled on thing you're saying in, in the title. So as long as I include that link in the newsletter and everything like that, and that link actually answers that question and is really shitty, then, then I don't want to put those in. But yeah, anything to do with audience growth, monetization, those typically get, get a lot of opens and clicks because people want to know how to grow an audience and monetize it. So the only thing I'd add to that, add teaser text for sure. Some people just either they're too lazy or they're care to play around with it, test it. If you have any testing abilities with your newsletter platform. So like, I don't believe you can review your Substack. At least you could with Substack back when I was using it. You can with ConvertKit and you can with MailChimp. Caveat being, I'm not sure if those are on free or big, free or paid tiers. And nevertheless, they do have the functionality. So definitely try A-B testing if, if you're feeling up for that. One funny thing I found is I think when People have been subscribed to my newsletter for so long. They either are going to open it or they're not. The subject line usually doesn't matter. I think that's more for like a e-commerce, email marketing strategy to aid test. But that being said, different styles of subject lines are probably worth A-B testing. Yeah, because I was going to definitely say like there's there's people who like there's always emails you open. Like the, the title ain't going to matter. And then there's the ones where I'm not open, like I'm not, I'm not in the mood. It's not going to happen. But then there's the ones like you're going to open no matter what. So some of it, the title is almost irrelevant. Exactly. Exactly. And new subscribers too. I mean, you got to keep that in mind. They, people who have just subscribed to you for the first time or only a couple of editions in, they're going to be the ones who are going to be more apt to click or not click on a subject line that entices them. It's the, your fans, like the thousand true fan kind of no shape. Those people who are going to open your newsletter, regardless of your subject line, don't really have to worry about that. Well, let's, let's ask for one, like how often should we post? And then, uh, what if you fall off the bandwagon and you're like two months behind? Two great questions. And what I would say to that is the frequency of how you post has to do with what you can sustain, right? So like, if you think, I don't think I can sustain more than once a month, then start with that. Start with once a month. And if like, you're getting eager to, to publish more frequently start publishing more frequently. If you're worried about, you know, pissing people off because all of a sudden you've gone from a monthly post to a weekly post, those people, if they unsubscribe, they unsubscribe. That Again, that's, that's not a bad thing. You just know that you're not, that that's not the audience you want to talk to. So make sure your frequency, your cadence um, of publishing is sustainable. So don't start out the gate with the daily newsletter, unless for damn sure you've got enough content to sustain yourself for a good while. Because eventually you're going to run out and then you're going to be like, I got to get new content every day. So I would recommend a great place to start for, for me was a weekly, but so I, I highly recommend weekly or buy, or buy with you like every other week kind of thing. Those are two pretty, pretty good cadences. I think for most people that you can sustain as, as a bit of a side um, project His most newsletters start on the side projects. So weekly or fortnightly, um, as they, they say in other parts of the world every two weeks, and then. If you fall off the bandwagon, the biggest thing you need to know is that nobody will notice, especially if you haven't been doing it for very long. So don't beat yourself up. Don't think like you let people down. Chances are, if I didn't publish this Tuesday, there might be like 
a very small handful of people that might be like, dude, are you okay? There might not even, I might get zero reply asking where my newsletter is, uh, except for my advertisers. Yo, where's the, where's the newsletter? But if you, if you don't have advertisers and, and you fall off the bandwagon and, and all that sort of stuff, don't beat yourself up for it because chances are people didn't notice and don't let that be a negative either. People didn't notice just because you also haven't probably done it long enough for them to notice. I would, I would even argue that some of the most popular newsletters that just stop publishing, I, if they miss a week or they don't publish, I'm not likely to notice because I'm subscribed to so many. And I think that's also common too, with the, this crazy increase of newsletters out in the market, more people are subscribed to more newsletters. So chances are you've probably get lost in the mix to some degree, which is why it's important to try to stand out and to focus, provide as much value as you can. But if you fall off the bandwagon, don't feel bad. Just get back on, start publishing. And uh, maybe you fell off the bandwagon because you just didn't have time to do it, but maybe you fell off the bandwagon because you're forcing, it feels like you're forcing yourself. You just don't like doing it. You don't want to do it. Then don't do it. Like it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anybody start a newsletter and force themselves to do it. If they're not feeling it, like you, if it's part of a marketing strategy or part of a business, then, you know, pay somebody to do it. If it's going to generate you some income and it's worth paying somebody to do it. But if it's just something you were, you thought you should do, I would say don't force yourself to do it. So find a wife off the bandwagon. And if it's just, you got busy or you forgot or whatever, get back on and keep going. It's a good one. I think we're all busy with the people. They're busy with life too. Two more questions. What do you put? Like yours is broken into sections. Like there's definitely sections. So what should someone put in it? Like if someone's about, they got a podcast about gardening or something. What, what would someone put, like to put different sections or to keep it short, like a magazine title? It's, it, it just, yeah, it really depends on, on what you want. I think I lead towards, it's the, the irony, this is that my newsletter, I already think it's too long, but I would lead towards starting out to make it shorter and quick hits, unless it's something super thorough, like how you want to, geez, I can't, nothing off the top of my head comes to mind, but like you said, gardening, if it was like an in-depth article on how to prepare your soil for seeding for the spring, how to treat it for, if it needs to be in depth, then by all means do that. But if it's like, here's my top five garden supplies for taking care of my garden bed, flowers love this, this flower and food, the thrive of the soil. And this time of year is best for these plants. Like, you can be, you can be pretty bullet point in your newsletter and you can always click people through to water four pieces of content that they can save later because most people don't save newsletter editions like in a back catalog. Like, yeah, you might leave them unopened so that you come back to them or remember to come back to them, but people will like, they'll bookmark blog posts or articles, but they don't really bookmark newsletter content. So you can always, even if it's your own content, you can just give them a uh, David Perel says the postcard strategy. So you're dropping people in your newsletter, you're dropping them a postcard of what's going on. Quick hits. Here's the highlights of the updates. Click through to get more, get a longer story, get more, get more uh, data, more uh, details on, on this post. Click through. So that's kind of what David Perel sort of recommends. And I do a little bit of both on that. My, sometimes I'll put my full editorial in my newsletter, but like last week, it's a 10 minute read on Medium. And I'm like, I'm not putting a 10 minute breakdown of the top plant newsletter platforms in my email because not many people are going to read that through. And it's way longer than my usual content. So I just did a little teaser at the beginning saying, I'd explain what the article was about and then said, click here to read more. And then I went into my, my links. So I think to answer your question, really, it depends on what you want to do. And there's not a right or wrong way to do it. It's just what feels best for you. And Try stuff and see what, what resonates. If people are responding a lot to an article you've written, then that's good insight and feedback that, that what you're writing is resonating and that you should keep maybe putting a longer form article in your newsletter. But if you're getting way more interested in the links that you're sharing or click-throughs, if you're noticing people are clicking a lot on a certain topic, then maybe keeping it short and sweet and the curated sort of list is, is a better way to go. But the point is try things, like experiment a little bit, take maybe your favorite newsletters and figure out why they're your favorite and maybe copy their format and go from there and see what, see what you like and what your readers like and, and try to, you know, mesh those two together. How, I guess, how do you, how do you get feedback from people? And my last email went out to 14, 
1,413 recipients. How many people were like, were giving feedback? Yeah, I think I got- And? I mean, I don't- This know. week, I, yeah, this week I got like one reply to my newsletter, maybe two. So like, yeah, it's, it's hard to get feedback and you have to explicitly ask for it or you have to incentivize it. So not a lot of people want to spend money on feedback, but you know, it might, if this is a business model you're looking after, you really want to grow this thing quickly, you might want to look at incentivizing feedback, set up a quick survey form and, and say, fill this, uh, fill up this two minute survey and you can win a hundred dollar gift card or whatever it might be, right? Incentivize people in some way to get your feedback if you want it. Otherwise, I've had it, you kind of have to ask and maybe bug people a little bit for some feedback. What I've done in the past is on Twitter and DMs, I'd, I've asked for feedback for specific things to get people that I trust their opinion to find out what they think about it. And that's one way you can do it if you kind of got this tight knit, you know, group of people that, that you can chat within DMs about stuff like that, or back and forth in email or in Slack, wherever you're hanging out with these people and, and get their, get their feedback. I think that's important. The other, actually uh, a cool tool, Foster Reading Community. What's their website? I think it's foster.foster.co. So F-O-S-T-E-R.co. They have a new plugin or a new extension, Chrome extension. And the cool thing is it's their landing page just better editing on demand. And so all you have to do is submit something, any article you've written um, or any piece of writing that you want some feedback on, on the Chrome extension and your sub Apparently I have tried it yet, but you'll get feedback on it. So it might not be quite the feedback you're looking for, or was my newsletter interesting or valuable, or did you like the links or didn't you? But that's, this is like an example of a way you could maybe go about getting feedback for maybe a, a piece of writing. So those are a few ways, whether it's incentivizing people for your feedback, for their feedback, and just asking a, a closer, closer group of friends, online friends, or in real life friends. But I don't know about you, but most of my in real life friends don't even really know that I do what I do online. So in my generation, I'm my generation, I sound like I'm 60. I'm in my late thirties, but you know, we didn't really grow up with the content content generation. So, so they don't really follow, but like, I'm sure you've built up a few relationships and stuff. It doesn't take too long on Twitter to start kind of finding your community. And so DM people ask for feedback, give feedback because reciprocity is, is great. People, people are more willing to give you feedback if you give them some, and then you could use a tool at foster.co to submit piece of writing if you want some some critical feedback on that too absolutely i think the twitter dms is uh like that when i wrote the who has a newsletter there's so many comments i, I literally just i'd follow them i dm them because i'm like they're 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 like a creator so i'm like i say hey random creator but i made like this landing page like hey what do you think of this here's we went like back and forth like 10 different people it's like the same message what do you think and some said it was bad some said it was good people were more than willing to help if it wasn't, cause we already communicate, we already talked back and forth. Yeah. You built a, you established a bit of rapport. It's a, it's huge. I think, um, Twitter DMs are a pretty important strategy for, I think, not just the newsletters, content creators in general, but like I started growing my newsletter with Twitter DMs. I just DM new followers be like, Hey, if you like my tweets, you might like my newsletter. Here's the link. No pressure to check it out, but you know, I'd be, I'd be honored if you did. And if you're, if you found it interesting enough to subscribe and I'd share a link with them and like maybe two out of 10 would reply and say, thanks, this is great. Or, or not even two out of 10, but I doing that, I established, um, some kind of long time Twitter friends that I've created, um, over the last year or so. Yeah. Don't, don't ignore the power of the DMs. I think I message you. I try to message if, if they're, if they seem like they know what they're doing. Like, I'm like, thanks for the follow. Yeah. And exactly. Make sure you even said your site looks so fresh. That goes that goes that purple collar or pink. And I'm like, this is like, dude, who has like this collar? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I just thought it was pop. Thanks, man. Yeah. And that was your, like, so you hit me up saying, you thanked me for the follow. You said you did something for me by signing up for my newsletter and and then you give me a compliment. So like those three things you did right there, if you do that to new followers, and it's not necessarily saying you have to sign up for everybody's newsletter that you'd follow, but just hit them up, be nice, give them a compliment, 
do something for them, whether it's uh, like a tweet, comment on a tweet before you DM them so that they're like sort of familiar with you. And then you send that DM and I just think that that's a little less weird than getting just a random DM from somebody you just followed who's never talked to you before ever or engaged with you. It just feels, it feels, you feel more like those LinkedIn recruiters or, or sales guys that, which is not a vibe anybody loves. There's no, like people, I have, uh, I like a YouTube channel at some point. They're like, I know you're not making it. I know you only have 200 subscribers. You're not doing good. How about I help you out? You're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Right. Like if, but if they, if they followed message, went back and forth, they sent that, I would at least look at it. I was gonna say just one last thing. Well, where do you learn your stuff? Like, where do you, where do you follow like, your newsletter? Where do you? Uh, great question. And they have taken inspiration a little bit from different places, whether consciously or subconsciously. So I think Josh Spector is somebody that I've kind of followed for a while. And he did kind of a newsletter when I started subscribing. It was just a weekly newsletter every Sunday and he provided links. And then all of a sudden he pivoted to daily newsletters and it's a little bit tense, like it's a lot, but it keeps them super short and brief. So I've thought about going down that road at some point, but I don't really think I, I don't think I will. So, but nevertheless, his format was inspiring to me. There's another, another guy named uh, John Bardos who does, who has idea economy who's very similar to my newsletter as well with links for creators growing an audience. This is the main focus there. There's, there's a lot of great newsletter writers out there. KV from Rad Reads, another really popular curated newsletter that, I, that I've gotten a few tricks from, like I have at the bottom of my newsletter. The most popular links from last week were, in case you missed it, totally still have in this newsletter. He, he does that, but then it is, and I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. Then it gives people reason to scroll to the bottom for one thing and click through some more. So yeah, I think those are a few that, that I've taken some notes from people that have yeah inspired me to, to craft my newsletter the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. I like think we all take inspiration from, uh, otherwise you wouldn't know what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. I was gonna say, where, where can people find your content and where are you at really right now? Yeah. Twitter, like in terms of social media, Twitter is the uh, place I spend way too much time on. So that's just at growth currency, all one word. And then you go to growthcurrency.net, which maybe depending on how quick you are at getting this out there, that might be a live website or it might still be a converted landing page. Either way, you'll be able to sign up, whether it's my live website or a landing page, you'll be able to sign up for my newsletter that comes at you every week, helping you start, grow, and monetize a newsletter. Perfect. I think, I think the start, grow, and monetize is like, that's like the, it's like the easy way. Yeah, I mean, like, what do you do? Yeah. Start, grow, you know what I mean? It took me, it took me a while to get there before I was focused on newsletter. I was like, I help creators, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs grow with marketing advice and tips to, it's just like, like this is just too much crap for, so I, the the refined focus has been, has been really helpful. Yeah. Now it's obvious. Like someone clicks profile. Great, man. Thanks for this. Appreciate it a lot. Yeah. No worries, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. I love learning about this stuff. I just hope for the audience likes this too.